DJ Simulationistas, sup, with Dr. D, Dan Raymer, and Dr. J, Janice Palaganis, coming at you from the Center for Medical Simulation in Boston, Massachusetts. So buckle up your mannequin, and let's roll. Welcome to DJ Simulationista's up. This is uh, Dan Raymer uh, starting this off for a change. And <laughs> Janice Palaganis, what's up, Dan? Yeah, so the reason I suggested starting it up is that you mentioned the word burnout earlier today. Yeah. And I'm wondering... <laughs> I'm guessing that's what we're going to talk about. What's that all about? I am just feeling burnt out. I always think there's... Lots of different kinds of burned out feelings. So sometimes I suppose people get burned out in their career. Sometimes it's like a project that they're working on. Yeah, I'm on project burnout. That's what I'm on. I see. I see. And then there's the, so there's career burnout, project burnout. Yeah, and then there's, I suppose, uh, kind of the day-to-day burnout, like I've been working really hard this week and today I don't feel like coming to work and I feel like I just don't have anything to contribute and I'd rather be home reading a book. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I think we could talk about all three topics because I think that's, I think we've all experienced those three types of burnout. Uh Uh Uh-huh. I mean, right now, most relevant to me is project burnout. Okay, so tell me about project burnout. So you've so, been working on uh, uh, a project, I know, for the past year or so, right? Yeah, two years. Two years. We are working on building the first interprofessional virtual campus, which is a community of practice. And it is an online platform that allows our graduates or any actually any healthcare educator to engage in their own online development. And, you know, the grant is running out now, and so there's lots of deadlines that we're faced with, and, and I am just feeling burnt out. I mean, just multiple work streams and trying to get it all done at once. So I think it's, uh, you know, in my career experience, I've seen this happen to people, and it certainly happened to me. There's this phenomenon about completing a project, Mm-hmm. And I think there's this unconscious, subconscious feeling that, you know, when I finish this, I won't have anything fulfilling. I won't have anything to do. And so it's a well-known phenomenon that some people never finish things because of the fear of finishing them. Really? Oh, absolutely. I mean, no, no. I, I actually can visualize many people here at CMS that... <laughs> that running for them I just never thought of it that way I mean a project becoming part of your identity but so much so that you don't want to finish it I had two uh, very close friends in graduate school who never finished their degree and one of them had one course to take he had finished a dissertation he had finished all his coursework 
he had one course to take and he took a job and figured he would, you know, take that course and make time for it. And uh, the first semester went by and he didn't complete it. And then the second semester came along and finally he said to me, I, I just can't do it. I just don't want to take that course. I can't bring myself to take that course. And it was so shocking to me, and you know, I was uh, uh, young and foolish, uh, and so I don't think I counseled him or gave him any good advice, but he didn't finish. I have another colleague who, um, uh, who was getting his PhD. Um, he completed all of the requirements. He passed his oral boards, he, uh, you know, his oral uh, uh, defense. He had to write up one chapter of his dissertation. And he also took a job and, uh, and you know, was going to finish it on nights and weekends. And time went on, and then he... Uh, took a leave of absence from his job to write up this one chapter, and he never got his PhD. He never wow. completed it. He never wrote that chapter. And, and I remember I returned to the university where I got my degree and ran into the professor who was his dissertation advisor who took me aside and said, you know, you were this guy's friend and it's been years now and the statute of limitations is running out. I, don't, I never understood it and uh, I never didn't either, but I, I think it was that. Oh, you didn't call him or anything? So, um, this is just so your I assumption. kept up with him. I kept up with him <laughs> for a number of years and, you know, he kept telling me what the plan was and how he was going to finish it and I encouraged him. But I never, you know, kind of psychoanalyzed him about why is it you can't finish this one yeah. chapter. Uh, it seems so attainable. And, and, and so, you know, I think it is another, yet another example of this fear of completion. And, and sometimes it reflects itself as this feeling of burnout. I just uh -huh. can't do it. Yeah. I've had that feeling myself with writing up and submitting manuscripts. <laughs> oh, I know that well. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just sitting there and it's so close and yeah. you just need to check a few references, but, you know, there's something about parting with it and sending it off and turning the page See, that is so, inhibiting. I have to say that does not go on for me. Like, I am just, it's like weight off of me giving, submitting something. It's like the check on my checklist. Like it's such a wonderful feeling. Of course. It's euphoric. Of course. <laughs> but you have to wonder when it doesn't happen, is there a subconscious inhibition? Yeah, that, no. That is from, you know, the fear of not having anything as interesting or as important or as Well, um, you know, whether it be... Fear or being overwhelmed or, you know, whatever. I think what you're bringing up is, you know, emotion before anything. And, and I think this is a great example of how emotions get in the way of productivity. And, and we always don't like thinking about emotions, um, especially in the clinical environment, you know, work before any kind of emotions and, and that sort of thing. And 
emotions get in the way of everything. I, I mean, you know, you're talking about like uh, a project over several years, but um, uh, I know that you've had the same feeling that I have that, you know, you've had a tough week, you've done a lot of work, and there's one more uh, day left, and you've got to, you know, run some scenarios and do some simulation that day, and you feel like, ah, oh, I just don't want to go to work. I just can't bring myself to run those cases yet again. And, you know, it's just really hard to get yourself up for it. And you call it, so, I'm burned out because I can't do that scenario for the 25th time. Yeah, um, happens. Yeah, yeah. I think I have a, a way I overcome that. Yeah, and, and I do want to go back to project burnout as well because I think we can talk about ways to overcome that too because I think that's easier than day-to-day or career burnout. Well, in my mind. And actually, it would be great for me to talk about it because it will motivate me to do it and, yeah. and get over my own personal burnout. So, yeah, let's talk about the day-to-day burnout first. What so, are your solutions? So my solutions are... You know, I envision everything like a sporting event or, uh, or like a, a, a play or something like that. And, uh, and I just know the adage of, you know, you can never give up. You know, the game's not over till the fat lady sings. You, you always, you know, I play a lot of tennis, as you know. I always go for the ball, even if it looks like I have no chance, because once in a while I get there and get the tip of the racket on the ball and it goes over somehow and it has some crazy spin because I didn't hit the strings and the opponent can't get it. So I feel like, you know, you always have to go that extra mile that you will not be able to live with yourself if you didn't uh, <laughs> didn't go for it. And it's sort of my mantra, you know, and I tell myself that when I have the feeling like I just can't do it. Uh-huh. Um, you know, when it's a simulation or a course or a debriefing, I just, you know, tell myself that this is this is the learner's experience. And if I let up, if I don't make it seem like it's the, you know, first opening night of the Broadway play, that they will, you know, feel like, um, like the play wasn't very good and write a bad review. Oh, that's so learner-centered of you. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I think I take a different approach, a much more selfish approach. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. So I, I ground myself in um, the definition of interprofessional education. Uh, well, most of what we do is interprofessional. So just knowing that every course is different based on the different personalities that come to the table, it's, it's going to be different every time. And so I just keep telling myself to look out for that one thing that's different. And I try to ground myself in, in that curiosity to keep it new. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which is a little more selfish. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious, did you, uh, when you were an emergency room nurse, 
did you tell yourself the same thing? Because I'm sure the same feelings occurred, like I just can't go see one more patient. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm sort of burned out and I just don't want to you know, go so, into room I'm so glad five. you asked that. I'd say yes. So maybe it's not interprofessional. Maybe it's just knowing that every person's different. And so generally the typical patient that would come in that would want me make me want to roll my eyes are would be the what we call frequent flyers and and they're people that are um on on their medical records say that they're allergic to ibuprofen and some of the kind of first line pain medications and they appear to be drug seekers and there's you know databases that can indicate who does go you know who goes to different emergency departments to get narcotics and so you get this stereotype and this labeling and it's like when you see that on your list of patients to see you know i want to roll my eyes and instead i go in i just think this is a different person and i'm interested in their story and so to hear what is different about their story always interests me even if they might still in my judgment fall under that category it's always interesting to hear the uh-huh. story uh-huh. Uh-huh. I suppose that motivates me too because you know when you do a simulation when you do a debriefing no matter how many times you've done it it just amazes me that the hundred and first time you do it <laughs> something completely different happens yeah somebody says something completely out of the box that you never have heard before nor thought of and so I think that's what makes it really interesting is that element of surprise and difference. Um, and so it may seem like you're doing the same thing every day, but in fact, it's a little bit and interestingly, subtly different each time. I think also for me, it's the people that I'm working with. So when I'm working with you, Dan, I love it because you and I both have uh, case burnout. <laughs> we run the same case over. And I love running it with you because we'll just like look at each other and we'll just have that like that let's do something different. <laughs> and we do. We'll, we'll tweak it just a little bit and it makes it that much more exciting to run. Our little evil streak. <laughs> yeah. And it always is interesting. Uh, that's true. That's true. That's true. I'm not sure this helps us with your project burnout, though, because I don't know that any of those uh, kind of, you know, self mechanisms for getting through the day, getting through the case, getting through the scenario really apply to the long term. I'm sick of doing this or, um, you know, I want to do another project or this one's just wrapped up and it's you know, and it's uh, busy work. Um, those, those are things that, that take a different different method, I suppose. I'm so glad we're talking about this because it's like, duh, why am I just not doing what I've done in the past? And as we're talking about it, it's I'm, I'm reflecting on what I've done in the past. And so I would say for the past year, what's really been working for me is task switching. <laughs> which is, you know, I've got seven work streams running at the same time simultaneously. And if I get burnt out in one, I can just switch over to the next work stream and pick up there and just stay interested the whole time. And when you're just doing that for, you know, a couple years, 
for me right now, I'm feeling burnout. And so it's funny because as I reflect on past projects, this seems to be the easier type of burnout because I've, I've dealt with this before and feel like I've overcome it, you know, in, in past projects. And you're making me realize I need to get back to my foundational level. And I have this really strange, and I have like litmus papers, like just litmus tests and just indicators to know when I'm productive. And it's going to sound really strange to you, but I'm going to tell you what the two things are. Uh-oh. <laughs> if my closet at home is completely organized, and if my desktop on all of my laptops, so I have like three laptops that I work with, if all three desktops are decluttered and organized, I feel foundationally, like I just know I'm, I'm in a good place. And when they're all cluttered, I can't, I know I'm not. So I thought you were going to tell me the opposite because <laughs> it, if you are distracting yourself by organizing your closet and if you're distracting yourself by, by decluttering your desktop, that you must be quite unproductive and disengaged <laughs> from your no, responsibilities. Because, well, I'm typically very organized. So, you know, I when I get home from work or whatever and I put my clothes away or whatever, it's I always put it back. But when I'm really busy, I just kind of stack things. And it's same thing as my desktop. I'll just download things and I don't think to organize it. So that's how I know when I'm starting to get burnt out is I'm not going that extra step to keep myself organized. And, and I think that everyone has some sort of thing, indicator, litmus tests that help them realize that they're in a good spot. And if, if I just go and do those two things, make sure my desktop is fine and my closet at home is fine, then I'll feel more productive. I'll feel better, like refreshed and, and have the energy to do, to, to get, Back into some. That's amazing because I, I have exactly the opposite uh, <laughs> that I do those sorts of things. Once I finish a project, uh-huh. I feel like it's okay to take the time to, you know, clean up the pile on my desk that's built up or the, um, you know, that do all of those sorts of organizing things uh-huh. uh, I only will do them if I finish something if if I have something oh I think normally I'm the same way I guess it's when I get to the point of burnout and I need to find some way to uh-huh. get that extra motivation it's right. refreshing my foundation I think uh-huh. it's finding you know discovering for yourself what are what are the things that make you feel good and productive Doing that, stopping to do that, might I think give you motivation. Keep going. I think it's really important to have some um, kind of career goals in mind. And so, when you're working on a project, why are you doing that project? Well, you're doing it because your organization thinks it's important, or your field thinks it's important, or you know, you know, there's some responsibility. But the 
but the responsibility to yourself, if it's well-defined, then it's a motivator to complete things. So, you know, so the kind of uh, academic uh, ranking and moving from instructor to assistant professor to associate professor and all those sorts of things, um, you know, pu publishing papers, uh, doing research and completing them and getting them published is is the only way in most places to or one of the ways in most places to get promoted and so having those goals can sometimes help you complete something when you have that feeling of burnout and then you can have your period of renewal and take a break and organize your desk and your closet and your <laughs> you know, alphabetize your spices in your kitchen or whatever you want to do, um, and then and then start fresh. So so I'm wondering if that's uh, helpful to you. Definitely. So I, from my experience in, so I took computer engineering classes in, in college, and we had to do a clinical component. And um, I was introduced way back then to agile methodology and scrum, scrumming. Um, which is basically using methods to organize project tasks to show what needs to be done, what is being done, and what's completed. And you physically move things um, across the board, the, what they call the storyboard. It, it's almost like having a checkoff list and being able to mm -hmm. check them off. And yeah, when you move it to the done, it's so rewarding and when you move all the pieces to done and the entire project is completed, it's so rewarding. And, and it does, then you do have your renewal and, and all of that and um, it motivates you even further. And so I do use, I go back to that methodology if I'm really starting to be burnt out or when I do any project actually, I'll go back to that and it'll, it, it does help, help me keep going. Good, unless you have fear of completion syndrome, which <laughs> we talked about earlier. Well, I'm hoping this conversation has uh, is helped unburn you. Um, A little bit, but now I'm worried because, and I need, I want to pick your brain before we end, it is the career burnout. Yeah. Um, so, because you're about to retire. Yeah. You are retired. You're um, about to retire. I'm so confused. Are I'm, you retired? Are we paying you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was. I was just discussing. Uh, <laughs> I was just discussing that with our with our finance person who who was discussing writing a big check for something we had purchased, and I said, "Wow, that's a lot of money. That's much more money than I'm getting paid these days." So I've dropped to thirty percent. Um, or will drop to 30% in July 1st uh, for 30% employment. You'll see, only see a third of me after that. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, in but all it's your not. Years. So, so, um, so I feel no burnout, career burnout. Um, but you've had other careers. I have. And so I think that's a really important thing is to recognize when truly you've done enough in an, in a field in an area and you really need 
to, for your own good and for the good of others, switch to something new. And so, you know, very few people switch to something new completely radically, you know, where they have to go back to school and learn a completely different topic area. But even within, you know, medical education, for example, you may do simulation for years, but then uh, maybe you switch to, um, you know, a different, different learner group, or you switch to um, research. You know, research, or you switch to something more in the quality assurance, patient safety area. Um, something that perhaps you've been focusing on in your education, you may switch out of education and work on that. So, you know, so earlier in my career I was a device inventor and um, did that for, for quite a long time and I, I think I easily transitioned into being a simulation educator um, and I felt like that was a, you know, kind of a easy thing to do because you know because I I was getting tired of the area that I was working in and in device invention and just the world was changing around me and and so I uh, you know I, I kind of I kind of read the tea leaves and saw that it was a good time to think about changing my career you know at various times I've considered other changes and haven't made them uh, yeah well, I feel like we have a few colleagues in the simulation community that have left. And, you know, from personal conversations with them, it was burnout. Uh-huh. And it's, I would say less in this field, though. And, and, uh-huh. and to, I would anticipate that being that this field is so creative, you could take it many different ways, wherever your interests may be. How do you know? I mean, what do you want to say to those people that are feeling burnt out right now with simulation? So I think it's okay. I think I think becoming despondent about it is a bad thing, but recognizing that it's a natural phenomenon that you get, you know, bored and tired and set in your ways and you're not really coming up with uh, newness uh, in in your in your career, that you know it's time to take a serious look at doing something a little different or a lot different, and and it's it's good for you, it it's good for your organization, it's good for um, uh, for the people that you're affecting. So I think I think many people hang around too long and, uh, and, and you know I, I you know I think if I think if I had to do it all over again mm-hmm. I, I always had this in, in mind to have different phases of my career and uh, and so that was sort of a general thought I had but I wasn't very systematic about it and and you know I probably should have set some goals for myself that after X number of years I was going to start thinking about the next phase Mm -hmm. and examining it and trying things out and learning about new things so that I could switch. So I think, I feel like education uh, recognizes this and and they prepare for it and I I think that is the whole point of sabbaticals as well Uh and I think that's why they're brilliant is because you do need 
you know, as you get into your day-to-day, you're doing the same thing, it's nice to go out and bring back knowledge. And so it kind of reminds me of the book Necessary Endings and how, you know, some endings are necessary for your own personal growth and for the growth of the field because you can always come back. And for people to leave, go wherever their interests might be um, and take with them their knowledge of simulation and hopefully bring it back, I think that's what's actually going to revolutionize and disrupt some things in our field. Mm -hmm. Great. So... I so hope. should I go on sabbatical? I, I'd love to go on sabbatical. <laughs> I think I should ask Jenny to start implementing that here. You have, you have my approval. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quite but, there yet. But I, I, would miss talking, I would miss talking to you, so uh, don't do it too soon. <laughs> All right, Janice. Thanks, Dan. Good to talk to you. Thanks for Sarah. listening. All right, bye. DJ Simulationistas, what's up? is brought to you by the Center for Medical Simulation. Find out more about CMS and learn about our simulation instructor training and course offerings at www.harvardmedsim.org. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.